This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. To all possibilities. I am really happy you could be with us today. I hope you had a wonderful week. I am here today with Helena Dea Bala, and she is the founder of Craigslist Confessional. Helena, it's so great to have you on the show today. It's really nice to be here. So before we go into what Craigslist Confessional is, because that sounds really intriguing, let's talk about how you got to where you are. So that's quite a long and widening trajectory, actually, and it's not a straight shot, but I guess it seldom ever is. Um, I was born in Albania, um, and I moved from Albania to Slovenia when I was seven years old and moved to the States when I was 12. Um, So a lot of moving around when I was a kid and instability and, you know, all of the insecurities that go along with that. And I think in order to lend some stability to my life, I chose what I wanted to do really early on. I wanted to be a lawyer and preferably a trial lawyer. Um, And so I went from undergrad where I excelled as a student straight to law school. And then I found that uh, law school was maybe not the best choice for me because I didn't want to be a lawyer after all. Uh, And I ended up mostly because of my own unhappiness with my choices and where I was in life at that point, starting Craigslist Confessional, which is an anonymous listening project. Um, I gather all of my subjects through an ad that I post on Craigslist, and then I meet with them kind of out of the blue like we're doing today, and I listen to stories about their lives that they've never told anyone before. Um And so I started doing this while I was working as a lawyer and lobbyist in D.C. And then it really kind of took on its own life. You know, it became this realization that I was doing something that very few other people were. And it was unique in and of itself. And so I decided to keep doing it. And the more people I heard from, the more it just kind of became obvious that this was something that I needed to pursue. And so I did and I quit my job. And, you know, that was, as you can probably imagine, scary and traumatic. And um, I started with meeting with people full time. And then I also met my husband and we got married and moved to New York and I kept doing this. And here I am three years in still chasing down the lives of others and trying to get a little bit of uh, clarity and catharsis to individual lives and also expanding that to other people and audiences and hopefully providing everyone with a sense of whatever you're going through, somebody else, you have a twin out there, maybe many who have gone through the same thing and, you know, find solace and, and peace and sharing that story and find strength in knowing that you'll be at the other side of it someday. Um, so that's basically what I do. And it's advice that I have to often give myself too, because I need it. But that's how I've gotten to this point, to this point right now where we are. That's fantastic that it came from just a single idea and and just going out and doing it. So 
How did you come up with the idea? I'm sure there were many other ideas, but how, what was that process like? Or, or was it just a moment of inspiration? I think a lot of people ask that. And I read an interview once and it was with a famous movie director and his name is not coming to me right now. Uh, but he said something about being asked by people how he came up with the idea behind a movie. And he just kind of says, I don't know, it all happened. Um, and that's kind of my answer too, although it's not a very fulfilling one. I, I don't really know. It just kind of happened. And it was a lot of different factors that really came together at that point in time and led to this small light bulb moment, um, which I followed by posting the ad and then promptly went to sleep thinking nothing would ever come of it. And I probably wouldn't hear any responses. And then I did. And it kind of snowballed from there. And I kept doing it. And then, you know, the realization of I find strange fulfillment in being able to do this for people. And maybe I should keep going. Um, so it really wasn't a linear path. But I think sometimes especially for me, it's a case of following a gut feeling and not following a set path. Um, so that's what I did. And it's been fulfilling and challenging and very, very scary every single day. But it's also a growth experience, which I think is important. So you talk about this gut feeling, and I, I love diving deeper into what that even looks like for you. Was it was it a a feeling of, you know, I want to hear people's stories and the best way to do it is to put an ad on Craigslist or or did you did you envision what it could look like or or like what 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 is this gut feeling for you and how does it manifest for you? Um, no, I, I, I didn't have a plan for the stories at all, actually, but. I would best describe it as I felt like I was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole with the work that I was doing every day. It just, it wasn't fitting in and even more challenging was the feeling of not even wanting to fit in. So I didn't even have the faintest kind of reaction of thinking, maybe I should try. It was, well, I'm not fitting in here, but I, I kind of don't really want to be a part of this. And that I'm, I'm referring to obviously to, to my work that I was doing then and my, co my colleagues and the firm that I was working for and all that. Um, but the idea of not fitting in, I think, planted that seed of there needs to be something else that I do where work doesn't really feel like work. It feels like flow. It feels like something that naturally taps into whatever gifts I may have or whatever proclivities I may have or whatever I do on a daily basis that I enjoy doing anyways. Um, and I think the very first realization of that was um, – this homeless person who stood in front of my building every day where I worked in DC on the corner of 13th and G, um, he had this plastic paper cup in his hand and he would shake it and the change would kind of clatter in. And I just noticed people kind of walked by him and nobody paid very much attention to him. Um, and I think that happens a lot in life, regardless of your position, right? I think people just choose not to see difficult situations. It's much easier to ignore something or someone and wish it away uh, and ghost it, uh, you know, like the kids say these days, um, than just kind of face it head on and, and say what you need to say, even if it's difficult and unpleasant and may cause problems. Um, so this is what was happening with him. His name was Joe. And, um, I stopped to talk to him several times and uh, part of my job as a lobbyist was going to the Hill a lot and, you know, in order to attract attention from policy members, from lobbyists, they provide box lunches. Um, so it's free lunch, essentially. And I would just pick up a bunch of boxes and bring them to Joe and just say, it, you know, it's free. And then sometimes, you know, I'd go to the CVS around the corner and get like a 
ginger ale or something, you know, whatever it is that he wanted at that particular moment. But even so, I think I was at a point where I couldn't afford to continue this, you know, bringing him lunch and food every single day. Not only that, but I I don't think I could afford to leave it as a superficial relationship at the time. So I stopped and I talked to him and I just kind of asked him about his life, you know, what, how did he become homeless? And, and part of it was kind of obvious. There were times that he would see me and he knew exactly who I was. And there were times where he would see me and it was very obvious we would lock eyes and he just didn't recognize me because he was, you know, um, so I asked him about that. I asked him about if he had any family, if he had any kids, like where did he spend the night? DC has some pretty terrible winters. Um, They had a really bad winter that particular year. Um, And we just had this conversation, you know, and he was lucid enough and present enough and interested enough. And I guess at a good point where he felt that he could ask me things and I opened up and I told him about my life, you know, and it kind of didn't feel natural or good that I had so much and yet I wasn't happy with what I had and and he didn't have anything at all um, and he was kind of lending me a shoulder to lean on. Um, so this realization of having this conversation with this complete stranger who came from such a different life than I had, who had completely different priorities than I did, namely staying alive and getting enough food to eat and finding shelter at night, you know, basic priorities, whereas mine were on a completely different level, you know, where I had lost um, the forest for the trees, um, grounded me and gave me the sense of maybe I need to go back to the basics and listen to more of these stories and in hopes of maybe finding my own narrative, maybe seeing other people and seeing their lives will help me figure out mine. Um, and so that's where really it, that was the first kind of catalyst to this idea that was followed up with the ad that was followed up with actually meeting other people that was followed up with, I want to keep doing this and then yada, yada, yada down the road. But It all started with that conversation. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Helena and I will continue talking about Craigslist confessionals and maybe even dive into some stories. So don't go away. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Hey, everybody, this is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. I'm here with Helena Deabala, who is the founder of Craigslist Confessionals. And we were just talking about how she got this idea started. And now let's continue talking about what those stories actually look like. Um, But before we do that, what did the ad actually say? I'm curious. And were you at all surprised at the response that you got? So I remember the subject line of the ad was in the very beginning and has always continued to be, tell me about yourself. 
Um, and then in the body, which has changed and been tweaked slightly throughout the years, I basically, in the beginning, didn't even introduce it as anything because it wasn't anything, right? It was just a stranger meeting another stranger at the coffee shop and listening to whatever they needed to get off their chest. So that's what it said. You know, this is what I do. I meet people at a coffee shop. I'll buy you a cup of coffee and I'll listen to anything that you need to get off your chest that you don't feel you can talk to your mom and dad about, to your spouse about, to your best friends about, to your colleagues about, whether it's a story about anything you might be struggling with as mundane as, you know, you don't like your job or your coworkers really getting on your nerves to something more serious, you know, such as you're struggling with social anxiety and can't or depression and you can't get out of bed in the morning and you don't know how to reach out to somebody and tell them about what you're going through. Um, so the body of the, of the ad just basically said, I'll listen to anything that you have to get off your chest. Um, the only stipulation is that it has to be a story about you, right? You can't meet and tell me about somebody else's story that you heard that you thought was really cool. Um, and that's how it all started. I would just go meet the person at a coffee shop. I started bringing a, a like a felt floppy gray hat with me just so I was easy to identify and put it on my desk and the person would just come up to me and we'd get a cup of coffee and we'd get started and the beginnings are always a bit awkward because they don't know what to expect and I didn't know what to expect either. Um, So I'd usually just say, just start where you want. If you want to do it chronologically, start chronologically. If you'd rather just kind of dive into the deep end, do that too. Whatever feels natural, whatever feels most pressing that you need to communicate to me right now, start with that. Um, and then throughout the years, the ad kind of became a bit more involved and complicated where, you know, I had to, well, I felt a responsibility to make clear immediately that I wasn't a mental health professional. Um, because I think that there's a very big difference between being a therapist, being a psychologist, being a psychiatrist and providing mental health help in that context and in that structure versus what I do. Um, So I felt the need to make that very clear, and I did. Um, And then once I decided to start writing these stories down, I had to ask people permission to let me do that. Um, And because the process is anonymous, right? So I could meet with somebody who introduces himself as John, but there's no way for me to confirm that. There's no way for me to confirm that story that John has told me. Um, And I think that's kind of besides the point, right? I'm not a detective. I'm a listener. Um, And I think that for a person to meet somebody off of Craigslist and tell them about their life story, um, they would have to be at a pretty difficult juncture in their lives to seek out the help and comfort of strangers. So there's really not very much impetus to question what people tell me. Um, but that second part of it was, you know, if you tell me your story and you give me permission to write about it, you realize that I'm going to write about it, uh, at some point and you're okay with that. Um, so that's kind of how the ad changed over time, but it's always been the subject line. Tell me about yourself. You talked about this a little bit, but what would motivate someone or what are the different factors that would motivate someone to answer the ad well i think i lived at the time in dc which is a big city and now i live in an even bigger city new york and i think that um there's something that goes along with that experience of being an anonymous face in a mass of anonymous faces that I think can be desensitizing and dehumanizing and devaluing to people where they feel that perhaps their story, their struggles, whatever they may be going through, not only does that not matter, but that because they can't reach out to other people readily and connect on whatever their struggle is, they feel like maybe they're the only person that's going through it. Um, So it's very alienating. And once you feel alienated from the world because you have this one problem that you've been nourishing for years and you can't tell anybody else about it, 
then you start to feel like perhaps there's something wrong with you for feeling that way. And then once you start to feel like there's something wrong with you for having this problem, you start becoming very critical of yourself and your experience and your life. And you shut off from other people and you never really do have that opportunity to reach out and really kind of meet somebody on the same page and on the same platform. And I think a lot of people who do reach out to me just want that opportunity to kind of be heard, to tell their own story. And I think by speaking your own narrative, you kind of force your own hand to figure out where something started, how it came to the point, you know, that it is now, and then also how you want it to end if it's an ongoing thing that hasn't ended yet, quote unquote, end, right? Like a denouement, a resolution. So I think having people sit in front of you and tell you their story allows them to see beyond the now of their lives to perhaps how do I want this to resolve and to find power in telling their own story and saying, okay, you know, maybe I am not all by myself and maybe this person who's offered me her time expecting nothing in return is a reason for me to believe that there are other people out there who would hear what I have to say and be kind about it and take me into their lives and offer that catharsis that I so seek. So I think that is, in a nutshell, why people reach out. It's just the sadness, the isolation at one point becomes overbearing. And in order to break out from it, you just need that one person to hear your story to not judge you and to tell you it's okay. There's a lot of other people out there who are going through something very similar, believe it or not. It's such a kind of a, a privileged position to be in, to be able to, to hear the stories and, and also for you to create a space that is safe enough for someone who doesn't know you to actually share something that they've, they've never shared with anyone. Maybe they've been holding on to it for years and it's just eating them up mm -hmm. alive. So, so that's really, it, it's quite kind of quite an honor to, to be in that position. Um, and, and just to be a fly on the wall to hear that is just really quite something. So what are some of your favorite stories and favorite is sort of a kind of a it may not be the word I'm looking for, but like, what are the stories that that you just keep coming back to? Like, it's always it always finds a way that to just pop up in your your psyche. Well, I don't have a chance to really create relationships with the people that I meet with, um, and that's deliberate. I think, especially when somebody's sharing something that's really stigmatizing or frightens them and keeps them up at night they're not looking for the person who knows everything about them to be somebody that they see on a regular basis they just kind of want that rip the band-aid off feeling where they tell someone everything and then they never hear from that person again um there's only been one instance in my three years of doing this where i have broken out of that and have made a relationship with one of the people that I've met. Um, and he is one of the kindest, sweetest, most deserving people that I've met in my life. And he's <laughs> probably as different from me as you can get. He's in his seventies. He's a male, you know, he just, we've had, we've led very different lives, but I think when I met him, I had just started Craigslist Confessional and I had just started meeting people. And so I didn't really have that structure and experience of previous years. Um, and I didn't know, you know, that I didn't want to create relationships and that people preferred it that way. So he and I kept in touch. He had just lost his wife to alcoholism. And uh, it was very fresh. I think it had only been eight or nine months after when we met. Um, and... 
I think hearing his story and hearing the loss of dreams and the loss of hope that went along with losing his wife um, was shattering, really, to see somebody so good go through something so difficult and so painful. Um, but I think throughout the years, he regained, I don't want to say his zest for life because that sounds trite, but that's exactly what it was. He just kind of found himself again and put himself back on the path of self-discovery and figuring out what he wanted to do and realizing that there is life after you lose somebody that you hold dearest in the world. Um, and so just seeing him rebuild his life after this, after our conversation and seeing the impact that something as simple as sitting down with him for three hours and listening to his story had, um, it really made clear for me that a, this was important and necessary work that I was doing but it also gave me the privilege of seeing somebody go from where I had met them to a place that is very, very different today. And so we still keep in touch. And I absolutely love where he is in his life right now. I've gone to visit him in the city that he has moved to. We speak on email on a regular basis. Um, so that's been one of the greatest honors that I've had in these last three years. Um, but there are stories, you know, that I've encountered that are really difficult to forget because they're harrowing and they're reminders of how difficult things can get. But they're also in that same page, reminders of how important it is for people to keep going, even when they feel that they can't any longer. Um, I met with somebody when I'd first moved to New York whose wife had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, and he was in his 80s, so a much older person, um, hadn't quite retired from his job yet, was very active, and then in the span of a month, his wife went from recognizing him, knowing his face, to just blank slate. Um, so he had to um, send her to an assisted living facility, and he was visiting her there every day. And he was just having such a hard time um, with her loss, with just being by himself. Um, and he reached out to me and he, after we met and talked about his situation, he said, you know, would you like to come and visit her with me? And I said, yeah, of course. So I went and I visited his wife, actually not once, but twice. Um, it was just such a surreal and touching experience and humbling experience to see this couple who had been together for the better part of five decades just go through this together and, you know, see her kind of light up and still remember when he went into the room. Um, and then the next day when I visited, not have that recollection of who he was. Um, it, just such vivid memories from that one meeting. Um, and I could go on for hours. I mean, it's really hard. It's hard to choose. I think every story is equally important to me and equally um valuable i think not just for me as a person but it's important to also honor the person who shared it with me so it's it's kind of like i'm going to use something my grandma used to say to my mom my grandma had five children my mom being the youngest of them and they'd often tease her you know who who do you love most out of the five of us and she would say well it's kind of like asking me which finger off, off of my right hand you'd rather i cut off they're all going to hurt the same um, so all of these stories kind of hurt the same. They really do. And they're beautiful in their own ways. And they're also extremely sad in their own ways. But those are just a couple that are right off the top of my head. Beautiful. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into an intuitive reading that I've done for Helena and We'll also keep talking about Craigslist Confessional. We'll be right back. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. 
The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. And we're back with Helena of Craigslist Confessionals. And I'm just so inspired by by what you provide for people and and really I see it as a service like being a listener and being someone who can who can really take in all of these stories which tend to be sad and and kind of you know these are difficult stories so kind of as a as a thank you for for the service that you provide I'd love to give you an intuitive reading and this is something that that I have been doing on this show and also, you know, through my company being my purpose and um, how it works is I access something called the Akashic Records, which is, if you can imagine, a library of information of each soul and whether it's their thoughts, their emotions, you know, what they want to do in the world, what impact they want to have. And um, using my intuitive senses, my strongest being clear audience, I'm able to kind of receive thought impressions. And when I do these readings, I do them all in advance. So before I usually meet with someone and I would meditate on their name and email address and I would then be at my laptop fully conscious and I would receive words. And so I'm just typing. It's like dictation and I just keep typing um, until I hear, okay, it's time for an image. And so I'll close my eyes and I'll see kind of in my mind's eye um, streaming video of sorts. And usually all of it is meant to communicate uh, a complex um, message or metaphor uh, because a picture is worth a thousand words. So um, once I receive this image, I might receive an action step. So this is something for you to consider. You can um, you know, reflect on it. You can actually take action. And um, then, then I know, okay, the reading is done. So so for the purpose of, of this, usually I ask, what is the highest guidance for you at this time? Um, for the other client work that I do, I ask, what is your life purpose? Like, why, um, why are you here? What is, what is it that you are here to do and make an impact on for people in your family, community, or really the larger world? And, and so what the question means, you know, what is the highest guidance? It's, it's sort of given everything that's going on in your life, what is the one thing that I can share with you that can help you align with who you are and can help you move forward in whatever way that can look like for you? Okay. And so how this will work is um, I have the reading in my phone and I will read it verbatim to you. So it's around um, three paragraphs or so. And as I'm reading it to you, just allow your own mind and heart to follow the imagery. Um, you might have thoughts come up, you might have feelings, you might have um, memories that get peaked. And just kind of keep that in the back of your mind because our, our minds have this incredible way of, of connecting the dots, even though the dots don't look like they're being connected or, or they're just so disparate that you don't even know how they relate. And then afterwards, I will ask, how does this resonate with you, if at all? And what does it bring up for you? So thoughts, memories, emotions, ideas, whatever it is. And um, consider this as a kind of a jumping off point for discussion. Okay. And um, a few other notes. One is that everything is written in third person. So it refers to you as Helena, as she, as her, and refers to me as you, because I'm the one kind of seeing all this. 
And then every so often there are words that are in all caps or capitalized, which just means that these words are more important. They're just more emphasized. And so um, I will say verbally all caps after that particular word. And I also have a visual signal. I'll just put my fingers up like this so you know um, as I'm saying these words that this is particularly one that um, is important. Okay, are you ready? Yes, I am. So for you, I asked, what is the highest guidance for her at this time? And it says, you saw a calm and peaceful ocean. You stood on the beach, staring out towards the west, and just kept seeing the waves slowly crashing in. It felt serene, all caps like a snapshot, all caps, taken in one moment in time, forever encapsulated in that memory. It felt like a place of peace, but also a place of longing, like there was something missing and left there that could give her great joy. The ocean water calls to her in much the same way that others have felt it in the past. It is almost a universal calling to be near its calming rhythm, all caps. What trips her up is when she is away from the rhythm, but also ignores her urges to find that sense of calm. There is a quiet, all caps, there. Nothing to do or want or achieve. It is just being, all caps, watching, all caps, observing, all caps. And so the image that I got for you is a continuation of this metaphor. It says, she stood along the beach, staring out at the waves. There was a sense of knowing, all caps, that the waves would always reach her feet. Sometimes the waves would lap just a few inches from her, and other times it would completely wash over her feet, covering her ankles in water, before releasing themselves back into the water. It was this inevitability, all caps, of reaching her, all caps, that she loved about the sea. All she had to do was stand there. And so the action step is to reflect on this rhythm, all caps, and this sense of inevitable reaching and connection. Regardless of whether the waves get her every time, she knew that it would happen eventually. Connect to this rhythm and this incredibly deep and situated sense of peace. And so that's the end of the mini reading. I'd love to hear how this resonates with you, if at all, and what it brings up for you. So thoughts, feelings, memories, emotions, ideas. So, I am super emotional. You know, um, I think I had told you earlier that I was... I was born in Albania and I lived really close to the beach while I was there and I went to visit last year with my husband and we spent um, about a week on the beach and that image that you had conjured up of me just kind of letting the waves kind of wash my ankles is very accurate because I would do that all the time. 
And there's this sense of, I think, lack of or lack of clarity on what the significance or meaning of home for me is. Um, because I've never really had one because I moved so much as a child, but also that feeling of I need to keep moving, you know, a, a rolling rock catches no moss type of saying. Um, and just to kind of hear you say that, you know, there needs to be quiet and a stillness. Sometimes I feel that I am too quiet and too still and that I need to be doing more. And that feels to me like the fact that I'm not doing more feels like a failure because I truly am very introverted and I need a lot of time to recover. And especially after hearing stories, I need a lot of time to recover um, because I take everything very, very personally. And I think when you do something like this, there's no other way about it. You need to take them personally. You need to care. And you need to care even when it's painful to you and hurtful to you to care. There's a lot of, there's a big burden that I think I've been carrying around since doing this. And I've always felt this need, this drive to get these stories the ears that they deserve to do them justice to get the people who have told me and trusted me with their stories I don't know resolution or to get them that feeling of home um and it's been an uphill battle um very circular very I'm right at that tipping point and I just can't climb over and it feels so personal. It feels like such a failure to not be able to do it. Um, and I have days where I just seriously despair and I say, I need to stop because this is starting to hurt. <sighs> so what I've just heard is it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go in a little deeper into the reading because it, there are some nuances and, and part of it is for you to explore and reflect on like I'll, I'll email this to you so that you have it and the more you're in the words themselves because they have an energy to them a very positive energy the more you're in it the more you will start noticing things, whether it's signs, synchronicities, um, your own intuition, it, it will start speaking to you in very, in different ways. And so one thing it talked about was rhythm. That was one of the words in all caps. And it felt kind of inevitable. That was another word. It was, it was like, if you imagine the waves, kind of coming in, it was, it was always going to happen. It was always going to reach you. It might not reach you physically, but it will, if you stand there long enough, it will come to you. And so there's this incredible sense of peace that comes with it. So I guess in your life, you know, maybe off the top of your head now, like what what gives you that rhythm and and what more can you get like how how else can you connect to this rhythm maybe it's you know being at the water <laughs> maybe it's um something else but what what comes up for you what comes up for me is the empty space, right? The lack of rhythm in my life right now, the lack of regularity to my days. Um, and I think that maybe what I read was that I should strive to reach rhythm, to have more of it, um, and to incorporate some sort of structure to what I do while also living within that peace of knowing that 
it will happen. I just have to stand there and let it eventually get to me and keep doing what I'm doing. I think that's part of the rhythm, right? Keep doing what I'm doing. Keep the everyday work that I've been doing. Keep the writing up. Keep meeting people. And it will happen. Um, that's how I interpreted mm -hmm. what you said. Yeah. And keep exploring that. You know, like you can experiment with with trying that approach for a week and then keep iterating based on what you learn and how you feel because a lot of this is about exploration and connecting to your own intuition. There is a quiet there, nothing to do or want or achieve. It is just being, watching, observing. So as, as this was being described, if you can imagine you were literally being, watching and observing the ocean, the waves, the horizon, like all of these different things. And, and there, there was nothing you wanted to do or achieve or like no to-do lists, none of that going on. It was just like you were fully present there and, and it, it was truly this peaceful, quiet state of being. And this state of being is something that you can consciously bring to your work, to your relationships, to, you know, how you have leisure time and fun and all of those things. And, and it's something that is incredibly valuable for you. What does that bring up for you in terms of ideas or what, what you can see yourself or you can imagine yourself doing? I don't like that word, being. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Um, I think there's something maybe powerful about going back to my roots, um, going back to my earliest memories and recollections of what it meant to be a kid. And a lot of that was me being in the water by the beach, um, surrounded by family. Um, so maybe there's a clarity that comes from just the physicality of being somewhere familiar. Um, but also a lot of that kind of harkens to what I do as a listener and as a writer is I watch <laughs> and I listen and I try to tread extremely, extremely lightly in the lives of others in that I just want to be a vessel into which they can pour their stories and get them off of their chest when you are listening when you do this work like when when you have someone in front of you and they're sharing their stories and it can be difficult to use this image of you observing the ocean and like feeling it um just as a wave to to use that as sort of a benchmark so on the one hand you can kind of take things personally or want to do something for this person or have them achieve something or, or change something in their life. And that could kind of tip the balance a little bit. And it becomes harder for you to kind of care for yourself emotionally, spiritually, physically, whatever that looks like. And in those moments, you can ask yourself, am I, am I simply observing the ocean right now? And it could be the ocean of emotion that this other person has in front of the, um, in f like, you know, sharing with you is right in front of you. And are you just letting it wash over you the way, the way water washes over your ankles and then it recedes. It doesn't stay there. It just, it always recedes and there's always this rhythm. It comes and goes. And so ask yourself that like every time you, 
um, have that awareness and consciousness. Like, am I, am I just observing the ocean or am I letting the ocean literally like take you over right now? And so there are many different ways of, um, applying this metaphor and you'll see that it, it can apply in so many different ways in your life, the more you look at it. But that was the one, um, one that really jumped out at me was, you know, based on what you had said about needing to take a while to care for yourself after you hear the stories that it it's important for you to to be observing like literally just observing not letting the ocean take over all right so i'll leave this reading with you and um i hope that this will give you some insight and some ways to reflect and approach your work in the future. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So we're about out of time now. So, so Helena, it was so great to have you on the show today to hear about Craigslist confessionals and, and to have you, um, hear this intuitive reading. I really hope that, that, um, we keep in touch and we'll get to hear more about how this reading impacted you and what this looks like for your work. Thank you so much again. It was a real treasure. And you're welcome. And for our listeners, I hope that you, uh, take stock of what stories you have been hiding from people as well. And, um, I hope you are able to find someone who is a caring listener as well to, Um, to share and really get it off your chest. It really is therapeutic. And if anything, you can answer the ad for Craigslist Confessionals and maybe be a part of this as well. So until the next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.